This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Johnny Crypto, Selman G, also known as the CEO of Collecti Labs, and our good friend NFT Tones is out there, so shout out to my man. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the UAE minister says crypto will be an essential asset going forward. After speaking at Davos last week, we show our listeners how the UAE is gearing up for crypto regulation. The EU will be launching a bill to regulate the digital euro this May, as the second largest payment provider in Africa is now testing Ripple. We discuss what this could mean for the XRPL. China is creating a competitor to SWIFT, looking to remove power from the United States financial system as Stellar is now working with BlackRock and JP Morgan on blockchain development in the United States. And with the digital transformation of finance in full effect, our friend Mark Yusko breaks down the details, showing our listeners how 2025 could be the bull run of a lifetime. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So welcome back, my friend, Johnny Crypto. Always happy to see your face on this Tuesday morning. And as you can see, we've got some amazing news prepared, specifically for our XRP holders out there. As now, XRP is being used in Africa. But we're going to dive into that after the show. How you feeling, my friend? And thank you for being here. Well, that's some big news. But more importantly, I'm happy to see your beautiful faces, too. It's great to be back and to see all the Warrior Maniacs. Good morning to all you guys out there. We love you guys. Appreciate you for showing up every single day. So be excited to hop in and see what's been happening uh, while I've been gone for a while. Selman G, this is what they call a back-to-back, my friend. Welcome back to the show. Always happy to see your face. How are you feeling this morning? Thanks for being here. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, everybody. I'm feeling great. Today's been a fantastic day. The news that we prepare for you guys are also on fire. And I'm super excited. Um, I hope the chat today is also on fire. So definitely let us know what you're feeling, how you're feeling today, and what you, um, anything crypto related, drop them in the chat. I'm reading the chat while we're, um, yeah, uh, going over the topics. Let's go. Awesome, guys. And we're going to get this show started the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every single member of our team. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in a neutral 50 this morning, but we've had some bullish price action this week. So it's exciting to see us out of that 25 and back into the 50s, Johnny Crypto. What do we have going on on the daily movers? It almost looks like a a glitch on my screen. T is up 112% while the rest of the market... Well, it's fairly green. Quant Networks is up another 11%. When we check out the total coin market cap this morning, we're sitting at $1.05 trillion. Bitcoin is 42% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at $22,900. Ethereum, $1,600. XRP is $0.42. Cents. 
And I saw that one of our favorites, Quant Network, was moving this morning as well. We've got Quant Network sitting all the way back up, if I can find it on my screen here, at $158, up 10% on the the weekly mover. Johnny Crypto, I'm going to kick it back to you. It's been a while since we heard from you, my friend. First of all, how was your Florida vacation? And now how are you operating? What do you think about the, the way the market's acting? Oh, the trip was great. Weather's fantastic down there. I don't know why everybody just doesn't live down there, <laughs> but but nonetheless, uh, you know, it's uh, the markets. Looks like the markets got a little bull behind them. We got a little pump going on this past couple of weeks. Uh, nothing that I'm really getting excited about because, again, I think we're still a long way away from the one that I care about. But you know, if your dollar cost average in, it's an opportunity here where you might be able to take out 20 percent, and and you know and if you have an exit plan, you got to look at what your exit plan is, and there's an opportunity there. But for me, I'm a, I'm a long-term hodler. I'm not a trader. I don't trade these things. I just gather the bags, put them away, I stash them in there, and then we'll just wait and see. You know, Quant at 158 doesn't get me excited. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, when we're talking four or 500 again, it'll be a little different story. But uh, it is interesting to see see some things moving in the, in the markets here. You know what's interesting, Johnny Crypto, is that whenever we see these projects move, the tip the, the, the people in our community, they're not excited. They're actually pessimistic. And when the market's going down, it gives us an opportunity to accumulate. We got 136 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, I want to kick it right back to you because we're showing our listeners the inverse version of a Bitcoin price chart. And I saw this thing before I knew it was inverted. And I said, we are going down, my friends. But what does that mean, Johnny Crypto? It looks like Bitcoin is ready for some upward price momentum. The RSI is historically low. The price chart itself is historically low. I'd love to get some of your brief comments on the inverse Bitcoin price chart. Well, this is really Selman's territory, so he can probably comment much better than I can on this. But I can tell you that when you look at that, I guarantee if you plotted that against FUD news on on Bitcoin, you'd, you'd see why this went where it went. And the reality is all the FUD in the news and all that's been out. I mean, they really hammered that son of a bitch. They said... So much FUD on crypto, and we saw where the bottom was so far. They haven't been able to push Bitcoin below, what, 15.5, I think, was the bottom we hit. So now the question is, you know, did we see that? And is it done? Is the floor in it? We just never see that again. Or in most cases, we typically tend to retest the floor one more time before we send that song bitch going the other way. So that's what we got to wait and see. And uh, to me, though, that is an encouraging chart, but... Again, I feel like we're a year and a half early before the real run. So this is just the more of a what coach calls a bull run in a beer market. I think that's what we're seeing. Johnny, and we've got some signs of a bull run coming. As out of the UAE yesterday, we're talking about the digital transformation that's already underway. And we know there were only two prominent com- companies in the blockchain industry at Davos. One of them was Ripple. The other was a blockchain that many don't know about, which is Casper. A lot of Casper news came out of Davos as well. But we're going to let this short clip play and talk about the digital transformation. Here we go. The next decades, we'll see the greatest industrial transformation of our times. Maybe of any times. And those who develop and manufacture the technology that will be the foundation of tomorrow's economy will have the greatest competitive edge. Well, Johnny, I don't think it's a coincidence that yesterday we showed our listeners a report out of Bank of America stating that they believe distributed ledger technology and cryptocurrencies in particular were the greatest upgrade in financial history when it comes to technology. And we're going to dive into that a little bit later in the episode, but I wanted to get your take here as well. Davos was talking about cryptocurrency nonstop, whether it was carbon emissions, digital economies. We know that the World Economic Forum is pro-digital assets. 
but they are anti-cryptocurrency, right? We always hear pro-blockchain, anti-crypto. This is that same agenda. So we got some really interesting news coming out yesterday where the, Euro, the European nations actually plan to pass a digital bill and metaverse policies in May of this year. I don't think it's a coincidence at all that this news just came out right after the Davos meeting and the European Commission is looking to actually create an environment that's safe for digital assets, specifically a central bank digital currency going forward. So, Johnny, before we break down the details of this article, I wanted to kick it back to you. Ever since the Davos meeting, we've heard nothing but prominent news around cryptocurrencies. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the markets are pumping as well. We had Jim Cramer telling us to sell our crypto. Meanwhile, we're getting a little bull run during a bear market. I'd like to hear some of your thoughts about what the European Union's doing here. They're trying to pass a bill to get a uh, central bank digital currency approved. Meanwhile, in the United States, we're claiming we don't even know if we're going to launch a central bank digital currency. <laughs> exactly. Obviously, you can see the game plan written on the wall. But don't forget, this is the ultimate game plan. We've been telling you this for a long time now, that this is what's going to happen. So that's where everything is always going to be headed to. Everything that you see, every trigger they pull, every lever pulled, every news is FUD. Things are going to be designed to get you to this end game. So don't forget that game. That Then it all becomes very simple and very clear of what's happening and why things happen the way they happen because we know where we're headed to. So the question is, will crypto survive? Will they let Will they let it be out there? Will they you know, let people have some of the crumbs after the CBDCs are launched? That, to me, is the question yet to be seen. Um, I believe the answer is there will be some form of it. Some of them will be out there. And by the way, there was a third company that was at Davos. We had XRP, well, that's not a company, but uh, or Casper and also Filecoin was uh, represented. Oh, sleeper pick right there. That's a sleeper yes, pick. Yes, <laughs> one of my favorites. One of my favorites. It's on the list. I've been DCAing into that bad boy. But they were also out there. So, uh, again, you want to keep an eye on these things, right? These, these are companies that are being in front of the guys who are in women who are running and making decisions. And so to me, I just want to make sure I, I'm not saying they're going to win, but that's definitely a horse I want in the race. Selman, as a European citizen, we always talked about how they just banned cash last week in Germany. Any transaction over $10,000 settled in cash is an illegal transaction going forward. So that's some really interesting news there. I'd like to get some of your takes about what the European Union is doing. On May 24th, they're going to pass a legislative bill that allows for central bank digital currencies to operate in Europe. I'd love to hear what that means to you, Selman. So you see the they will. I mean, right now they're saying it's just complementary. It's not a substitute, right? So you, you will still be able to use your cash, but they will restrict it. And then sooner or later, um, especially now that younger generations, everybody knows how to use a credit card and technology, right? You can see within the next 10 years, 20 years, we will de definitely run on digital money only. But now the next few years, they will be a little bit more radical and, uh, you know, finally introduce with great incentives, introduce CBDCs into our lives. And uh, it's but but what you said with Davos, et cetera, like what I really like about the, um, you know, DLT and blockchain in general is the it's kind of like the 2007, 2010 kind of feeling where the iPhone came out and then all of a sudden you had touch phones everywhere, right? Before that, nobody knew what a touch phone was. It was just a Tom Cruise movie. But now that we have these touch screens, et cetera, um, it was a massive success. And now in, in this decade, it's all about blockchain. Blockchain is AI and blockchain is the iPhone of 2007. And uh, 
we're going to see more and more updates here. Yesterday, you, you brought it up, uh, an AI project, pretty much uh, like AI, sorry, ChatGBT actually uh, successfully completed the um, like a couple exams. The right? medical licensing exam. Correct. And another one as well. And you see, there is just AI is going to take over. And it's it's a fact. And AI and blockchain is the, the big gainer of this decade. It's like iPhone 2007. So people shouldn't uh, sleep on that. Maybe we can find ways to invest in these uh, kind of technologies or companies that work with AI or develop AI. Um, so, yeah, j just a thought. So doing research on that topic would be a, a, like a, a big win for everyone in the next years. Selman, just building off the point you made there, I saw a fascinating tweet this weekend talking about the two narratives that are going to become so important for this market over the next couple of years. It said within 13 months, the narrative of scam blockchains and crypto projects will evolve and they're going to start to declare themselves as quantum encrypted and quantum proof. Hint, this won't be the case for many of them, but they are just capturing a buzzword to sell you a story. This market is going to evolve massively for two reasons, Johnny Crypto. Artificial intelligence and quantum computing are going to play major roles in this market. And Selman just hinted at it there, whether it's Fetch AI or some of these other projects working to incorporate artificial intelligence into cryptocurrencies, that could be one of the leading narratives in the 2025 bull run. But I'd like to get some of your thoughts here. In 13 months, do you believe we could see quantum encrypted and quantum proof blockchains? Well, I don't know. Quantum computing has been in process and trying to solve that for 50 years or 30 years. So I don't think it's anywhere. Um, it's not completed yet, but I know they're getting close. So that is going to be scary when quantum computing is there because almost everything's unhackable or hackable at that point. But um, there is no doubt about it that AI is huge and will be the next paradigm shift that we see in technology. No question about it. No question about it. you're going to see that driving everything in blockchains and industry and manufacturing. AI is, is the next piece. Thank you, Johnny Crypto. And we're going to show a really interesting video from one of our directors here. This is the executive director of compliance and regulation program at the University of Hong Kong. He's giving a bold prediction for the Rippleverse SEC case. And Johnny, me and you have always talked about Brad Garlinghouse said they are not willing to settle with the SEC Unless the SEC claims that XRP is not a security, well, he sheds light on that situation and how the SEC may do exactly that. Talking first about the SEC versus Ripple case, and this case, which is the second loudest after the Telegram one, really showed everyone the need of actual regulatory clarity. And until it treats cases of any range, smaller ones or bigger ones, like the one with Telegram or XRP here, can altogether be a true security case or a business battle case, or a politically flavored case, what do you think of the Ripple case? Where does it put the SEC and where it can direct the blockchain community? Who would like to kick off here? I, 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 I will kick off. Um, I think that it's the most unfortunate case and it's hard to really get into the mindset of the SEC to bring the action. There's a lot of commentary floating around about uh, uh, that, that's positioning the case against uh, the comments that uh, William Hinman made back in 2018 uh, about Ethereum being sufficiently decentralized uh, that it's not of interest to the SEC. The SEC now seems to be saying that, oh, look, because there is a company, Rippable, that seems to make a difference. When, if you look at it from a functional point of view, the fact is that Ethereum, the developers of Ethereum at the Ethereum Foundation are effectively still evolving 
uh, Ethereum in a similar way. My expectation is that this is simply creating uncertainty. Johnny, I'd like to point out that back when Ethereum had its initial coin offering, they went to individual investors and offered them Ethereum. I believe it was at 60 cents, 60 cent Ethereum. And that was only 10 years ago. So when you talk about a centralized project, the developers on Ethereum are the main contributors to the applications being built today. I'd like to get some of your thoughts. What do you think about the comparison between Ethereum and Ripple here? I mean, we know that it was the same kind of similar thing. We actually had a video on this along about a year ago where we were showing the, the, the commentary between Ethereum's oh, Vitalik and, 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 uh, and Gensler and talking, describing what a security is and then describing exactly what Vitalik was doing during that time frame. And it was literally that. So, I mean, there's no question about it. And that guy nailed it. He's, he's spot on. He, he was like, why did they pick Ripple? There's no logic behind it. It's just, there really isn't. I mean, the, other than the fact that there's an agenda there, which I've been saying for a while now that we're not going to know. We don't know what it is. All we know is one thing. It's a, for some reason, it's a delay tactic. That's all we know. It's two and a half years. The freaking case is almost going on, or two years, I should say. And yet, I think Nexo settled in one day. Two and a half years of one day. I mean, come on. Something's going on here. If it smells like a fish and it flops like a fish, a smelly fish, then there's something fishy going on there for sure. Thank you, Johnny Crypto. And we got an interesting article for you next. As Cardano Network quickly recovers from a brief note outage this weekend, we always talk about how Solana is one of the most unreliable blockchains. Well, Cardano went out and recovered so quickly, people are actually calling this a positive for the network. The Cardano Network saw a brief outage on Sunday that was automatically fixed within minutes with no singular root as cause of determination as of this writing. Several developers reported an error on GitHub and said that all nodes were restarted automatically. The Brock producing nodes were temporarily affected, but there is no proof um, of degradation here. A developer building on staking for a Cardano said that most of the nodes impacted had a graceful recovery and there was no restart needed to restart the network. Johnny, I got to get your take here. Solana going down, we always criticize it. Are you going to bring that same criticism for one of your favorite projects here? No, I mean, this is what happens when you take your time and you do things right. When you slow down and you don't try to you know, put something half-assed out there, then, you know, you're going to definitely get a situation where, you know, Cardano, like this guy, Mr. Wright, says he's 100% right. He's very, very solid. And this is the perfect example in the effect and benefit of taking your time and moving slowly through the development of technology. Someone knows he went and, you know, and he's a, he's the, I'm sure as he was launching, uh, you know, Collecti, they've learned a lot of things moving along the way that you can make mistakes if you move too fast, right? You need to move slow. You need to develop things timely. You need to test, 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 right? And that's why we haven't launched Merlin yet because we're still in the testing phase and we're finding things. We don't want to put something out there half-assed. So I think that's so important and that's the benefit of what Charles here. And while I was praising Charles and everybody else is bashing him, I think he did it right. He went slow. And, and this is the perfect validation. If something fails and those nodes go down, we know the whole system stops. And the fact that these guys are saying it graciously, that's a very important word, graciously recovered, meaning basically nothing was lost. Nobody was panicking, right? With Solana, I remember everybody was panicking when it went down. Very, very impressive. Kudos to Charles for getting it, getting the job done correctly. Now, Johnny, uh, another thing is, for example, um, what, what I understand with Solana, there are many businesses they want to like bring out something immediately because they want to make money, right? And then they don't care about if the product is not ready yet, et cetera. They just want to execute immediately so they can catch the trend. So, and, and that is basically the outcome. Solana started very early and had so many 
bucks and then you know they thought okay we're gonna make money they made a lot of money of course the vcs made a lot of money and so you need to understand like uh, there are so many vcs involved and you kind of want to make sure that all stakeholders are you know happy with the outcome so they just release it promote it a lot with the money they they had from funding and so eventually um people are now upset a little bit but solana was really great for community right uh for the community uh people really accepted it but what I like about Cardano and other projects is the fact that they are taking it, taking their time and slowly investing uh, like time, energy into it and making sure that uh, things run well. XRPL, for example, compared to other blockchains, super, super slow in, in, in you know, develop, in development, but they're taking their time, making sure that everything runs uh, smoothly, perfectly. And um, this is the reason why I believe, you know, in the long run, XRPL might be you know, very robust and uh, like uh, in terms of strength, also pretty solid. You know, I want to build on something you said. They're so important, Selman, and, and it actually fooled me. So I think it's worth mentioning here that, you know, for all our warriors listening, that when I was getting investing into crypto early on, I when I, I was looking to see who was in it. Right. And when VCs got in, were in it, I was excited about that fact. I was like, oh, this is great. But what you realize pretty quickly, and this is a mistake I made, was the VCs aren't here to, you know, see these pro part in, in some degree. And so take this with a grain of salt. This is just my own personal belief now that not all the VCs are here to see this thing gain long-term, but they're here to make a quick buck and get out. And that's what I saw happen in a lot of these things where if there were VCs behind it, they got their money out and everything crashed. And, um, and so now to be honest with you, I'm looking at projects that don't have VCs. I don't want VCs in it. Because if a VC's in it, most likely they're in it just to make money off a quick pump and not for the long term. So I prefer projects now that 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 don't that aren't primarily primarily VC funded, but more community developed. So that's just my two cents. That was my learning. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but that's kind of how I'm. Um, I'm, I'm Joey, not putting as much weight on VCs anymore. I was also thinking that way, but then um, like a good friend of mine, actually, you know, in the gaming space, also developing something on the Cosmos Network. Uh, he actually talked about how maybe there is a false narrative. People think VC is VC money is bad money. Uh, there are also actually good VCs that are really doing their best they can to to fund good projects and make the blockchain space, the crypto Web three space, a great place. Right. So it's important to be selective. See if okay, like okay, this VC is shady. If that is involved, I want to like. Uh, like don't want to mess with this touch this at all but they're actually good vcs but now our homework is to find those good vcs and that Amen. you know is the question like do we have the time to do all the research right or is it so transparent that we see uh, in like um like in all the projects they have been involved in so um yeah it's it's a lot of work to do but yeah there there are good parties uh, as well but it's you know difficult to to separate them of course Guys, we got 233 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Let that algorithm pump this video out to as many listeners as possible. But Johnny Crypto, we had an interesting article we covered yesterday about how Stellar was chosen by the CFTC to actually oversee blockchain development in the United States. I'd love to get a brief opinion from you before we roll into our next articles. I'm going to read something very interesting here. So Stellar itself is signaling hope for fruitful work with representatives of traditional finance as they're now going to be incorporated with JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and BlackRock 
after joining the Global Market Advisory Committee. Now, obviously, Stellar is, is working with the CFTC to oversee blockchain development in the United States. But I wanted to get your take here, Johnny. What does it mean to you that the CFTC is working with Stellar while the SEC is suing Ripple? <laughs> I mean, it means to me that, thank freaking God, I filled the bags with both XRP. This is why you fill the bags. Right? You, you, bet, you bet many racehorses. Because you don't know which one is ultimately going to take the lead here. And when I see this, I mean, those partnerships, I mean, you know, what have I been telling you all? What have I been saying on the show for since its existence? I've been saying that I want to see news like this about, about Ripple. I want to see XRP being talked about with the likes of JP Morgan. Goldman. This is exactly what I've been saying I want to see. But I want to see this news with, now, now, in all fairness, I don't care whether it's Ripple or Stellar, you know, or XRM because I got them both. But the reality is this is why you hedge your bets and you, and you go, you know, you you uh, you get multiple horses in the race. This is exciting, extremely exciting news for me personally to see that if these guys were going to choose anything, <laughs> I'm glad it was one of those two and not something outside of those two, you know. And this is why, you know, Coach is very smart about this. He knew right from the get-go, and he worked in the banking industry. That's why I believed him when he said XLM and XRP would have places to play. But it might be very possible that these guys are, you know, obviously siding with XLM. There's something happening here with the Stellar organization. And to me, that's something that I am excited and want to make sure I've got my bags packed on XLM. I had a couple of takeaways when reading this article, Selman. But one of the things that stuck out to me is there was a narrative a couple months ago talking about how JP Morgan was working on or tokenizing traditional assets on Stellar's blockchain. Now we have that connection. Now we've got another connection here as JP Morgan and Stellar are going to be working together on the Global Market Advisory Committee. I think it speaks volumes. Stellar is the 20th largest market cap in the market. And when you look at the price chart, I think we should pull it up for our listeners right now while we're discussing this. It's one of the most optimistic. I believe we've done over a 90% pullback during this bear market, which is standard for a bear market regression. Anybody who's been in this market for quite a while knows you look for these all-time highs, you wait for that 90% pullback, and then you begin your dollar cost averaging process. That's how you can be most successful on a lot of these altcoins. I'd like to get some of your thoughts, Selman. When do you believe we'll see further connections from JP Morgan, BlackRock, and Stellar? And what do you think about the price chart here? Does it look optimistic to you? I mean, if this was a bull market, and uh, I would go for projects that are in accumulation. This, clearly, if you don't look at, look at the logarithmic, but the normal view, then I would say, uh, yes, it's an accumulation, but of course, there are just so many macroeconomic factors involved. Bitcoin is a main leader here. And so um, I would say, like, we haven't seen a real performance of XLM the last years. It, it was just, you know, when Bit when XRP went up, it just followed. Uh, but if regulation comes and, and, and people finally see, man, most of these projects are just scam or, I mean, they... they they, they won't compete against the big guys. And then they, they find out that Stellar is, and I'm pretty sure not many people know about this, what we're covering right now, but that Stellar is, a Stellar Foundation is uh, partnering with JP Morgan and working with the government officials, et cetera. So this is great news, but I feel like people don't appreciate it yet. People don't understand it yet. But once regulation comes and people understand the real value of certain projects, utility uh, uh, utility bull run starts, then I believe XLM might be a big gainer here because um, I don't think that the team is going to help the government, but then uh, just ignore their own currency. I believe their own technology, they will force, they will give their best to force their product, right? 
and then and make sure that they can integrate that into the system. So I believe XLM holders might see um, like a return from that uh, investment uh, in the future. Johnny Crypto, I think I found a glitch in the simulation yesterday. I was messing around with the Dogecoin price chart and I was just looking at previous bull runs and look at how symmetrical each bull run has been. So if you go all the way back to 2014, what do we have? We had a standard mini pump, retracement, large pump, long form bear market, right? So let's scroll over to 2017. What happens exactly during the next bull run? Well, here's our small pump. Wait for it, guys. There's the large pump. Then we go into a very long form bear market. What do we have? The exact same structure in 2021. I want you guys to pay attention to this very closely because you could apply this to Bitcoin in 2020, or sorry, Dogecoin in 2024 and 2025. So Johnny, we get that initial pump. We get our retracement. We get our parabolic growth. And now we've consolidated all the way back to where we initially started. And it looks like we're actually beginning to trend in the opposite direction. So I'd like to get your take there. What do you think about the symmetries that we found on the Dogecoin price chart? Does it really speak to how algorithms drive this entire market? You know what? Well, the most important part there is go back. The most important part there is let's go and look at when each one of those first initial mini bull runs happened. How far before? Yeah, right there. So how far was it before the main bull run? Was it about a year earlier? Yeah, what was that one? Right. Um, so like, what'd you say, Johnny? Did you say this bull run right here? No, no, just pick anyone. Pick anyone. Let's yeah, just we're... examine one. How far? Yeah, so there we go. All right. So look at that one there. You talk first, you get a mini bull run, and then it gets the big bull run, right? Yep. Yeah, so let's look at that big mini. When did it start? 2018? Yep. Right? I can't see the numbers. Oh, Move okay. So right now we are looking at 2018. This is January of 2018. Okay, so when did that first little pump start happening? At the end of 20? Yeah, right there. What that was took that? place six months prior in June. Six months prior. There you go. That's that's what. All right, now check to see if the other one took six months prior. Check any of the other ones in the past. Yep. This no, one. I did. I did this last night. This is what this is. This is what we're discussing. And right all now. three were exactly six months prior. Well, I said both. simulation, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I don't think they're that scripted these markets, but I would say that they're very, very similar. I wouldn't go in and place trades and say in six months these things are going to be pumping. Historically, yeah. I would say the six to eight month time frame is what. There you go. So that and that's why I was going to have you check one more just to see how close they were to the six month mark. So that's fascinating because we have been saying here on this show. Nine, I think we've been saying about, I've always been saying anyway, that I thought nine months before the next halving, we would get something, you know, a, a pump like that. We would see, we would get that little mini bull run and then, and then the big run. And so theoretically, yeah, let's see if we're saying March. So I guess it would be somewhere in the middle of this year, middle to, to end of this year, where we might, might see this happening, where we continue. Maybe the, the run that we're starting to see now will continue. It'll be very fascinating, Abs. But that's, that's some good research work there and something that, again, all our warriors should keep an eye on. And that being said, buy Doge, guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not financial advisors, not financial advisors. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> but as we're talking about price charts, I'd like to keep the discussion there. Selman, I want to kick it to you. We're showing our listeners one of the best performing price charts of 2022, this is Quant Network's price chart, and the trend line that it's been following has been one of the most consistent trend lines in the market. This project launched in September of 2018, and since then, this blue line that we're showing for all of our, our YouTube listeners here, this blue line has been a consistent level of support. We broke through it for about a fraction of a candle in early 2020, and we really have only re revisited this line of support since then. Selman, anybody who doesn't know you are the chart analysis expert. What do you think about Quant Networks and what we're seeing from the price chart here? So Quan, of course, the community is very strong. And um, what we've actually seen was a great retest of the like $98, $100 level after 
you know, that massive break in, uh, it was in September, I guess. Yeah, in, yeah, sorry, it was in October when we saw, you know, 225 to $230 and then retracement back down to 100 to test actually the falling trend. So officially we broke the falling trend. And on the bigger picture, yes, as, as you guys can see, this is a perfect, um, a, a perfect trend. And it's a valid trend because in summer, when we touched it the third time, that that potential trend line has been confirmed and it's a very uh, important trend. I personally don't think anymore that we will break that trend because, um, you know, historically also, we know that Bitcoin, the last cycles, Bitcoin's very bottom was one like around one year after its all time high. And technically November was the one year later was the very bottom, right? So it kind of looks like the bottom is in, but we could see a pump and then go back down to test sixteen, eighteen thousand dollars And with that, Quant is probably going to sit here above. So I, I don't think like Quant is going to break. If it does, then obviously this is a very big trend, um, like, uh, like almost four year long trend. So let's say three year long trend. And if that's broken, of course, we could see more volatility for Quant, but I highly doubt that. I feel like we're going to move along the trend if Bitcoin is going to pull back again, et cetera. But um, I believe dollar cost averaging around this level isn't a bad idea in case you see another um, drop. But for now, I just want to say that um, Quan has hit the 50% um, Fibonacci level on the shorter time frame, so that which is $160. So um, if we are not getting rejected from here, there is still room to, to hit 175 and then eventually, of course, the $200 level again. And then that's going to be the... Um, the level where we need to like maybe we might want to take some profits or if um bitcoin is still like doing fine and bitcoin dominance is going down then there is a high chance of course to break 220 dollars also so right now of course don't catch green candles right especially these big big green candles i would wait yesterday was great uh, when uh, when apps talked about it and it was at 244 dollars or something but right now it pumped Wait for it. Some traders will take profits. So don't become exit liquidity. Wait for a good pullback and then you can accumulate again. If we have that um, solid bullish uh, structure, higher highs, higher lows on all projects, we will buy during the dip. So no worries. Don't rush. If you if you lost, if you weren't able to catch a train, no worries. Wait. I'm also waiting. I'm waiting for the next dip to buy. Maybe we're not going to see the dip anytime soon. It's going to continue to pump, but that's exactly what they want from you to FOMO in. I'm not going to FOMO. I'm going to wait. We have a long way to go. And Quan is most likely going to hit four digits. So I'm, I'm totally fine if, you know, I, I need to accumulate at $200. At least I can lower my risk and get in when there's extreme fear again. But the trend looks bullish. Thank you, Salman. And it's really interesting. When I look at this price chart, Johnny Crypto, you're famous in our community for saying you want a $40 Quant. Historically, that is one of the most unlikely things I've ever heard when looking at this price chart. We would have to go so far below this trend line. It would be something that we've never seen before and could honestly lead to a very, very bearish trend. So for all of our listeners out there who take your advice, Johnny K, what do you think? $40 quant or are you sitting on your hands? Well, you know, if you remember, you think 40 was bad. Someone was asking for $2 quant or praying it would go to zero. So, And I told him then he had a better chance of getting struck by lightning than ever seeing a $2 quant. Um, and I don't think we're, I, <laughs> I think we got a better chance of getting struck by lighter than seeing a $40 quant. Those days were, were over. And for those who were 
smart enough and DCA'd. Um, I tried to grab some in that time frame. Good for you. Congratulations. If you didn't, I, you know, abs, like you said, on that chart, it would have to get very broken to get there. And, 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 and someone knows better than me that if it gets broken like that, it's probably not a good thing. So at this point, no, I think the, the days of getting that are, are gone. It's just going to be a matter of DCing here or somewhere in the zone. Not right now, but if we do get, you know, a, a drop in that but, six low, that may be uh, our Quick comment, quick comment on this. Now, we, we've all been waiting for XRP to go to the moon. Like in the last bull market, everybody was dollar cost averaging and nothing happened. The SEC lawsuit case happened and you know, many other things. But then, of course, Quan, a big gainer. And now that Quan is, let's say Quan was at $200 when we accumulate and Quan hits $1,000 in two years or $2,000, $3,000, which would be insane. I would even say it's going to go even like higher. But that's speculation. But then you see, just focusing on these ISO tokens, even though we know they have utility and they have value, especially after regulation and mass adoption, we believe they will uh, do well. But like, don't miss out on, like do research on other projects and trends as well. Gaming was a huge deal. Metaverse was, was a huge deal. People made 100x returns. And then Chillis, for example, in the sports uh, like branch, right? Killed it over 100x return and a Matic Polygon insane. I, I wish I had invested in Polygon, I, I was ignorant, I just focused on XRP, and so that means just focusing on the utility things isn't smart. You also need to focus on trends, but you need to be a couple steps ahead of the people. When you hear about Chat GBT, let's let's say early, like end of November, early December, when you hear about that. And then you see, man, people, something's brewing here. People talk about AI. Check out the charts. Singularity Net, et cetera, didn't pump before January. So that means we have plenty of time to invest in AI projects and make easy two, three, or 5x returns within a month. So what I want to say is this is just the beginning, just like Dogecoin did, that small pump, and before the big massive pump. So focus on trends. What could be the next big trend? Focus on them. Maybe it's going to be quantum-proof blockchains. Maybe they're scams. But if you act um, early on and, and do your research, maybe with hundred bucks that you can you, that you're willing to risk, and you, with a stop loss or you know what whatever, um, you could make fifty x return. And I'm saying only with a small uh, percentage because uh, of your of your ask. Because VC is doing the same thing. They're not doing much research. They're they picking 20 projects and putting in $500,000 because they know it doesn't matter. One of them will make 100x return and I'm going to make way more money than I invested, even if 19 projects fail. And that is the, the, the idea that you should do because you know this is like an open casino as well. There are 20,000 tokens. So do research, feel comfortable in your decision, but not only focus on the big guys, focus on these potential trends as well. Johnny Crypto, I think all of these trends move in alignment and are pushing us in a certain direction, right? So ChatGPT just passed three exams yesterday. It passed the bar exam, the MBA operations exam, and the medical licensing exam. Yesterday, we also had the European Union talking about how central bank digital currencies are going to become essential. I think this is all part of the same narrative. AI is going to replace jobs. Humans are going to be put back in their homes. They're going to need a source of income, and the government is going to come to save them with universal basic income. It could be $1,000 a month, it could be $2,500 a month. Not only are they going to give you free money, they're going to tell you when and where you can spend it. I'd like to get some of your thoughts there. What do you think about this AI passing all of these licensing exams while at the same time the European Union knows UBI is inevitable? 
you know, I hope everybody watched the Terminator movie because if anybody thinks this is good, watch where that where that went because eventually that's a, where where we're at. Absolutely, some in laying the smackdown. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, no surprise here that a computer can pass tests that you know, or a computer designed by human can pass tests designed by humans. So I'm not surprised. I mean, here's my question, Johnny: Is this is this artificial intelligence if it has access to the internet and it's pulling information off the internet? Like I like to think that when I think of the word intelligence, you like to think of that person or whatever the being, I guess, because now technology is creating their own thoughts. Where this isn't actually doing that; it's going to a source pulling that information, copying the information and pasting it to apply it to your question. So it's, it's different form of intelligence. I'd like to get your thought on that. Yeah. It depends on how it's doing it. And I haven't researched it enough to know exactly how it operates, but if it's doing it similar to the way the blockchain is doing validation, then that could be more valid because it's going out there and it's pulling multiple sources and then comparing them to see if they're similar and then taking the, be- you know, that answer. Oh, you know, so, cause there's a lot of junk and crap and fud out there, right? That's not truthful. So it depends on how it's operating and working. And again, I don't know enough about how they've designed it to do it. I do know AI, um, you know, when I was looking at going to conference, God, back in 2015, 16, it was all about smart, you know, machine learning, machine learning, right? Where machines are very, very capable of learning a behavior or a habit that people do. And then and then adopting that into its new uh, processing power capabilities. So there is certainly no doubt about it when you compile the, the machine learning capability with the artificial intelligence capability that it's, it's, it is going to do what you said. We're going to see a replacement of a lot of jobs. So for all you folks out there who are looking for what to do, learn how to cut grass and cut trees <laughs> right now. I'm not so sure your computer can cut the grass. There may be some landscaping jobs available and things like that. And I, and I say it jokefully, but the reality is you really do. If you're young and you're growing and you're trying to figure out where to go, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. I mean, because at the end of the day, you do need to, there are going to be a lot of jobs. And I would ask, I would encourage all children, if you're going into a field, go into something where you, you know, where, where AI can't replace it, maybe like electrical plumbing or some kind of the trade works because the computer type work, engineering work, all of it, any of it can all be replaceable. It's a very scary place where we're at. And they, we got a great comment here from Mr. Wright. He said, Abs, is this generation AI nothing more than plagiarism? That's what I'm hinting at. They're not creating original thoughts. They're getting access to information that exists and was published by humans and then replicating that for their own intelligence. So it's a different uh, process. Uh, uh, go ahead, John. What are, what are books? What, what are books? Well, well you, can't use a, you, can't use a book, you can't use a book during a medical licensing exam, can you, Johnny? Oh, what do you think you study before you go into it? Yeah, but this thing has access to it during the exam. Well, yeah, of course it's cheating. I'm not saying it's not, but we're talking about how that you were talking about the source of information. And and I'm just saying whether you're going to the internet and you're pulling sources off of different sites or whether you read it from a book, it's all generated by same thing, humans. <laughs> I want to add something to this, to be honest. Like, can, can you share uh, the tweet again, please? Now, uh, one thing that I that I see in my environment, I'm pretty sure all over the world, when someone does a bachelor's degree or any any degree doesn't matter and then master's degree and then they find a job a good paying job they stop looking out for a better opportunity they say hey i'm fine with this i'm making money and they stop growing they're stop they stop learning more stuff and what happens if you stop growing you're dying you're like a flower right uh, or a plant and what happens is um 
some people say, oh, no, AI is coming. It is going to replace our jobs. We're going to lose our jobs. Then there is someone else like me saying, man, this is a great opportunity. I can save money or I can I can focus on other things while the AI is doing the job that I've been doing nonstop. I can add more value now. It's like I'm, I'm a two men army now. And so um, another thing is if you stop, like, unfortunately, the last years, you know, with insurance with all of that people have been more lazy like lazier and um in the past if that work didn't happen didn't if that job didn't work anymore you went to another one you you tried to grow right you tried to learn something and now people are like hey i studied this and i want to do this job only i studied for this as if you know it's like a must that you need to do that job because you studied that no we're we need to be dynamic right uh, to all the changes out there and so um if if AI is replacing you, um, where have what have you done the past years that uh, all of a sudden you're landing on the streets? You have to learn. You need to read books. You need to educate yourself and get ready because AI is nothing that happened on back in November. ChatGBT didn't come out of, of nowhere. A, pretty sure Jackie talked about AI nonstop, and AI is a topic for the last twenty years. If you ever watched Hollywood movies, we knew that that would come right, and so. It is important that we move on, it, like bar exams, all of that. Chat GPT uh, can do that. That's fantastic. That means in the future we don't need to do these stupid exams anymore. We can educate ourselves and and make use of Chat GPT because you know in exams that's unrealistic. You do the exam, but in real life, an engineer is always going to look at the uh, Google something or read a book to find information, right? And so it's not like you're you're. Um, if you want to build something, you don't have any software, nothing, then stop using a software because you studied it. You, you've passed all the exams. You should do it without a software. So it means all these tools will help us become more efficient and better. And this is why we need to shift our focus, change the perspective and focus on the benefits of AI, the opportunities, even with CB, if CBDCs come. Don't feel like, oh, no, we're trapped. Their government is going to control you. Government controls you anyway. So there is always going to be a backdoor because government is also human beings, right? And so try to find great ways. See, the great thing of CBDCs, to be honest, digital money in general is I'm using the digital money, cryptocurrencies and my credit card all the time. So for me, it's like no, nothing's going to change really. But for me, transactions will be much easier now. And I, I don't need to like use any like PayPal or something to send. I could probably use my own bank account, my CBDC wallet to transfer money immediately. So there is a benefit. But of course, control and all of that, they control you anyway. So um, there is not going to be, you know, uh, it kind of looks like a double edged sword, but it's not. It's just a matter of perspective. And uh, this is why, guys, focus on the perspective, right? Like, your thoughts, your thinking is important to hear. I'll tell you what, it's pretty impressive. The flips that robot can do. Um, it's unbelievable. Hey guys, it, I believe this is not real. This is like, no, like, no, no, this one. So I actually, it's funny that you say that I showed a video on air before that was AI. This one is in fact real. This is, this is the dynamics robot video. This is a hundred percent confirmed. Yeah. But like dynamics, um, like Boston Dynamics showed a video in the past where this same robot was a, a soldier, but then came out. It was just studio. It was all made up. It's it, this is yeah. not even real. This is like a Unreal Engine kind of you know rendered robot. It's not even real. I don't know if they, if they just later on because they saw the feedback from people that they said, hey, 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 no, 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 this is just studio. But in fact, it is real, and they just want to hide it now. Or if this is pretty much just Hollywood. 
I don't know about that. Either way, I hope it's fake, but we got 247 live listeners joining us. Show us some love and smash that like button. We're about to go rapid fire in this last couple of minutes here. Johnny Crypto, Flare Networks was exposed for dumping tokens on their network this past week. As Flare Oracle providers, there was about eight Oracle providers who received snapshots before the general market. Well, this provider right here in this Twitter account was calling them out for selling on exchanges before we even received our tokens. Interestingly enough, in the interest, uh, one of these companies actually responded and said, in the interest of full disclosure and honesty, Light FTSO received 280,000 Flare tokens on January 8th, five days before the general public received their tokens. They sold a portion of 110,000 Flare before it was available to the general public. Now, they were able to sell these tokens at 25 cents, Johnny, and they actually want sympathy saying, don't worry, guys, we didn't sell the top. We sold it at 25 cents. We're just like you. Today, Flare Networks is sitting at three and a half cents. And I think this is clear evidence that if one of them is admitting it, the remainder of the group probably did the same thing. I'd like to get some of your thoughts here before we dive into Hugo's response. I mean, you know how I feel about Flare. I've always been a little wary on on them but again this wasn't flares doing right this was an this was an exchanger saying that did this correct yeah yeah i mean you know you know listen at the end of the day when you give away free stuff that's going to happen you're going to always have greedy bad actors taking advantage of something and um you know if this is uh i'm not sure what exchange was this that did it do we know it uh, well, it's kind of insignificant, right? Because my broader point was this. If this one exchange is admitting to that, and let's say it was 110,000 flare, it doesn't sound like that much money. Every single one of these early providers probably Correct. did the same thing with a different margin. And that's my overall point. These are the guys who are supposed to be building our community. They're actually taking money from the yeah. people who own flare. Yeah, that's exactly right. Abs, 100%. Nobody, you can't trust anybody. They're all, what do I say all the time? They're all a bunch of rat snake weasels. And here's another rat snake weasel. Let me grab my list there. And put these bastards on the list too now. You got to kind of put them into the really like the red zone too. Because that is really rat snake weaselly to go out there and take people's. Because wasn't this, correct me if I'm wrong, Abs, I'm, I'm not a big flare guy. Wasn't this supposed to get distributed to people? Who were holding the either the Flare IOS, I, IOUs or XRP from the time that was done within these? Yeah, and you know what's even crazier, Johnny, is they took the Flare, minted it on BitTrue before it was open to the general public, and dumped on the I, IOU token holders. So the IOU was fifty cents, then it was twenty five cents, then it was twelve cents, then it was five cents. Everyone's like, "Where did all that selling pressure come from?" Here's our answer right here. Yeah, you go, Abs. You uncovered it. You found it, and there you go. I mean, call me Coffeezilla. Yeah, that's right. You know, to go from and I saw, I mean, I was buying the Flare IOUs. I had a few, I bought like a few thousand for a couple pennies or whatever it was just to have them. But the reality is um, it is pretty sad what's happening here in the space. And again, this is why things like regulation are needed. So things like this can't happen. And when things like this does happen, people need to go to jail, right? Or, or there has to be rules in play. Right now, it's still wild, wild west. And so the bottom line is don't count. If it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. When I heard people say, oh, I'm going to get hundreds of thousands of dollars of flare. I'm like, no, you're not. There's no way. They can't They can't just give you that kind of money. Nobody has that kind of money to give. So you always got to take it with a grain of salt and be, uh, what's the word, diligent, right? Question everything on these kinds of things. Don't, don't expect. The only way you're going to make money is you're going to have to earn it or invest properly early enough like we're kind of trying to do here. And Flare Network CEO took the time to respond. He said, at best, it was unethical for the FTSOs to have taken advantage of the market and sell their Flare prior to the community receiving their tokens. 
I've suggested to the FTSO community that all of them that deposited to BitTrue at for, receive a first strike. This is a general agreement of this. So first strike of three, not a huge deal. These guys made hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. completely yeah. legally, but unethically. So Johnny, yeah. if you have any closing statements for you. I would just say that, you know, partly if Hugo, it's on him. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm sure there were things they could have put in place when they gave these airdrops to say, hey, you can't do that. You can't sell them, right? They're supposed to be distributed, but whatever. He blew it, he blew it on that one. And it sounds like, He's not even taking any ownership of that and saying it. It feels like he's putting all the onus on them. So, again, I don't know enough about it to know if he could have done something about it. But I do know for people who are receiving Flare tokens, correct me if I'm wrong, Abs, he put a limit that says you can only get 15% of them and then so yep. many percent, you know. So maybe he needed to do something that said, hey, you can't, you know, you can't dump these. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. But to me, that, that forget strike one on them. Strike one on him, on you, Hugo. You should have done something different. Guys, we got 236 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to close this episode out with the Ripple XRP content that you all joined us for. As MFS, one of the largest payment providers in Africa, has grown to become the second largest B2B hub on the continent, designed to deliver any digital transaction by connecting businesses in Africa and global trade value. So this is really exciting because this is actually a partner of Ripple. So the MSF Africa is able to use Ripple's on-demand liquidity service as a solution for crypto-enabled payments and to make it easier than ever for customers and businesses in Africa to make real-time payments on mobile devices across the planet. This is going to be huge. Not only are we moving towards a one-world economy, we are seeing them all migrate onto similar blockchains. And the fact that the largest B2B provider in Africa is now using Ripple or has the opportunity to it's the beginning of the end for the SWIFT system. Music to my ears, Selman G. What does this article mean to you, my friend? Um, You know, I, I don't know. Like the last few months, we always talked about on-demand liquidity. And we talked how Ripple was also very uh, present in Asia or, or in the um, in the mi Middle East. But we I never really paid attention to like Africa. But uh, in general, we know Cardano is trying to, you know, uh, compete and, and uh, you know, with with, with others and then want to get a big share um for like in africa and now that we see okay on-demand liquidity uh is you know like people have access to that in africa this is huge news because you, um, even projections say that africa is going to be like the population size and the economy in africa is going to grow uh by 2050 and when you see that on demand like these little steps, right? What uh, Starlink is doing, what Facebook is doing, and then you see on-demand liquidity is going to be uh, available. We know crypto uh, mass adoption in Nigeria is a big thing, and slowly it's going to um, like be available everywhere in Africa, and that's going to give them the funding they need probably to build their business, to build their infrastructure. It's going to be way easier, and you don't have these central, I would say, the mafia that stops african citizens to, uh, receiving any fundings so crypto is going to enable that i would say and this is huge news this is like ripple like i, I believe uh, the sec case is a blessing because you know yesterday you brought it up ripple is pretty much doing more business deals more partnerships with uh, foreign countries and africa is clearly one of them and uh, and uh, africa is the the big economy of tomorrow like no doubt it is going to happen whether it's in 30 years, 40 years, doesn't matter, but you need to start that even governments, when they do a planning, they do it for, they have a 20, like 20, 
30, 40, 50 year projection. And Ripple is slowly, you know, building something there. So this is why I believe like Cardano and uh, Ripple XRP uh, is going to become one of the big gainers. They're planting the seeds right now. Thank you, Selman. I'd like to play this video before the end of the episode. This is our friend Mark Yusko breaking down the possible scenarios for crypto adoption. And that there is no other L1s. Or I could make the case that Bitcoin, Ethereum, Avalanche, Polkadot, Cosmos, and then we have right. bridges and interactivity, interoperability. I'm not smart enough technically, Paul, to, to <laughs> tell you which one of those is going to happen. Well, you made a pretty good so, pick a year ago, so you're doing pretty good. I mean, you held in uh, some pretty good I, tokens yeah, I there. Mean, it's okay, but look, I think the key to investing in this ecosystem is diversification. Yeah. Johnny Crypto, that clip pretty much speaks for itself, but we talk about not knowing exactly how this market's going to play out. We do know that some of the most prominent blockchains on the planet are going to get the vast majority of profit. Anybody who's studied previous bull runs before knows that the largest caps in this market are the easiest to predict. And Mark Yusko's hinting at it here. We've got very good solutions for Ethereum and Bitcoin when it comes to scaling. And Polygon, we've hinted at it earlier in the episode, Polygon's one of my favorites. What does this clip mean to you, Johnny? The fact that this is going to be a multi-blockchain world. Well, that's what, we, that's what we've been saying all the time. Anyway, on the show, we've been talking about how it's going to be a coexistence of a number of different blockchains. And why do you think we love quant? Because at the end of the day, Abs, we all know that something has to... He said it. You heard what he said? He said there's going to be a, a bunch of different... He said the, a second scenario could be a bunch of different blockchains working together. And then bridges, keyword bridges, talking to them. That's what the bridge is, quant. Right. So that to me is, is, you know, and, and I love Mark and Mark's always, you know, he, he laid out the two scenarios that he thinks are possible. And I think the reality is we all know that diversification, we've been saying on the show forever, the more horses you have in this race or better yet, make sure you're betting on several horses in this race, because we don't know. None of us can sit here and tell you, we know which ones are going to be the next Amazon. I certainly can't maybe got maybe, maybe Selman or Gonzo, but I can't tell you who's going to be the next Amazon. All I know is it's gonna hopefully it's gonna be one of the ones that we've been talking about and we've been tracking and following on this show or on this show, right? There's a bunch of them out there, and there are different segments that you have to look at too. And so to me, yes, I think he's right on spot on to him. Diversification abs is 100 percent the key to being potentially successful in generating wealth uh, for your family in the future. And we got some really positive news for Hedera as well as the Hedera mainnet has officially processed over 3 billion transactions. They put out a massive thank you to all users, projects, and enterprises that made this possible. But I really think this highlights the overall adoption taking place on Hedera. We know they're working with IBM, Google, Boeing, some of the largest companies on the planet. But to see the transaction volume, it is fairly exciting. We only got about 30 seconds here, Selman. What are you thinking about this Hedera news and the fact that they process over 3 billion transactions? Hey, only 10 seconds. Um, community <laughs> of Hedera Ashcraft is just insane. Also, NFT projects on Hedera Ashcraft. Dude, the co community is everything. Solana is still recovering because of the community. There is an existing... If they didn't have a community, Solana would be dead by now. But this is why I believe Hedera Ashcraft, great leadership team. Community is great. Technology is great. Partnerships are great. I mean, we don't need to talk more uh, much about it. 
Thank you, guys. And we are going to dive into a couple articles that I had prepared for today, but we officially ran out of time. Tomorrow, we are going to be talking about a Chinese blockchain giant creating a competitor to SWIFT and how the United States needs to be paying attention to what's happening in the West. We got 239 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Tomorrow, we got our good friends over at Sin City joining the podcast, so it's going to be a great show. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Selman G and sending love to NFT Zone. 237 live warriors out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button like we always say. Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thanks for joining us. Let's go.